Welcome to the Ad Nauseam Podcast, where classical gourmands everywhere can finally get their fill. Join us for a delectable discussion of Greco-Roman civilization stretching from the Minoans and Mycenaeans through the Renaissance and right down to the present. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here are your hosts, Dr. David Noe and Dr. Jeff Winkle. Welcome to the Ad Nauseam Podcast, episode 79. My name is Dr. David C. Noe. I'm here in the Vomitorium, Vomitorium West. Yes. With my good friend and co-host, Dr. Jeffrey T. Winkle. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing all right. We're kind of suffering through, uh, I think what they call around here, uh, uh, second winter. Second winter. We had fall, spring, and now we got second winter. But we're not into smarch. Not smarch, yeah. No, we're, we had some lousy, lousy smarch-like weather, mm-hmm. but we're not into smarch yet. Yes. Right. No, uh trying to think of a pun for April, but I can't that, do it. That's a tough one. It is. I was trying to think of like the giant apes. Ape <laughs> sounds like April. Yeah. But I, there's nothing there that I can discern. Is it, uh, it's, the, it's the cruelest month, right? Isn't that what T.S. Eliot said? It is yeah. the cruelest month. Yeah, I don't know why. We'd have to bring Robert Mack back in here in order to do something with April, I suppose. Definitely. Well, we, we, de- we definitely have to bring that man back. Oh, he was funny. It was great. That was so much How fun. How are we going to live up to that now? I know, I know. <laughs> Know, we got no place to go. No, we, we don't. We're gonna we're gonna we're a little bit desperate, but we hope it doesn't show. Right. Speaking yep. of desperation and no place to go, listen, avid uh, listener, please. Yes. We have no shout out this week. How did that happen? Because no one sent them in. <sighs> we received a couple. An interesting one from New Zealand and one from Ohio, mm-hmm. which is the best of the Ohio's as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> But they weren't in a finished form. You know, we can't just read on the air. This is a professional podcast. That's right. right. Just some stuff thrown together. Right. So, and we, we have had some people write to us and, and interesting things, but we like to do things, uh, like you said, professional. We, we're not going to just do no. a shout out and think, right. oh, that person wrote us a note. Let's just shout them out. Yeah, let's just mention their name yeah. and whatever they no, no. threw together that's at the not, last minute. That's how it works. We're a button-up place. We are. Right? Big Cufflinks time. and everything. Right, right. So uh, Kravitz. Are you wearing your cravat? I'm wearing my Lenny cravats. <laughs> or is it cravat? <laughs> cravat. That's what it is. Okay. I don't even know what that is. The cummerbunds. Yeah. <laughs> so so if, we need shout outs. Yeah. So write to us and tell us about yourselves. And- Somebody must be listening because it's not just, uh, you know, this dear woman in my church that listens to every episode. She's not downloading it 500 times. No. There has to be someone else. Right. So just tap a note. We'll give you those addresses at the end of the episode. Correct. And, uh, we want to hear from you. Okay. Right. So what do we got going on today? Today we have a very interesting episode that you, Dr. Winkle, are going to helm mm-hmm. for the most part. Yes. Uh, you're going to be sitting, you know, at uh, Space Deck 5 or something like that. Yes. You've got the helm, Mr. Winkle. Yes. And um, we're going to be talking about the assassination of Julius Caesar. Yes. Because we're approaching the Ides of no, we're approaching the Calends of April. Right, we're a little we're late to this one. That's right. Right, but um, but that's okay. We're still in. I mean, recording this, we're still in. We're still in. We're nearing Smarch. But that's right. When this airs, it'll probably be April, right? Yes. Here's yeah. a reference. Let me drop the okay. beginning of the Gorgias. Yes. Right. Plato's Gorgias. Mm-hmm. Late to the battle, early to the feast. Mm. That's us. That is. We're late. <laughs> We're late with Caesar, but we've got some good material to share with you today. That's right. And uh, we got an opening quote, don't we, Jeff? You want to read that for us? We do. This comes from um, a book called Rubicon from one of um, my favorite kind of popularizers. Yeah. Have you read? This is a... I have not. This is the guy that stars in the Spider-Man movies, isn't well, it? Well, that, Tom Holland is his name, right? Okay. Right. I didn't know he wrote Roman history, too. You know, I'm such an, uh, a classics nerd that when I heard that name Tom Holland, the actor, yes. the first thing I thought of was, 
Oh, the guy that writes these popular <laughs> Roman history books. Yeah, right? and now he's swinging through the streets of Metropolis or Gotham or I don't know. Right. I like I like picturing the young Tom Holland writing this, what I'm about to read. Well, here, he's, but... pro- he's probably a man of many talents. Maybe eventually he will get into classics and sure. we can read his musings on Caesar's assassination. And I have to think Tom Holland, the author here, has probably experienced a little bit of a bump on a Amazon, bump. right? Oh, yeah. People are looking for the Spider-Man movie and say, well, oh, that book looks interesting. Right. And then they, <laughs> they say probably much as you did. I can't believe Spider-Man wrote this. <laughs> That's right. He's probably putting Tom Holland, the actor's picture, on the on the book jacket. He'd be dumb not to. <laughs> right, right. As endorsed by Tom Holland. Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. All right, so let's have the All opening right. quote from Rubicon. Yes, so he, he writes, Every civil war cuts through families and friendships, but Roman society has always been especially subtle in its loyalties and contemptuous of brute divisions. For many citizens, a choice between Caesar and Pompey remained as impossible as ever. Neutrals, of course, lacked even the consolation of knowing that the Republic was being destroyed in a good cause. There was nothing more upsetting to a Roman than to feel deprived of fellowship, of a sense of community, and rather than endure it, he would go to any extreme. But in a civil war, to what could a citizen pledge his loyalty? Not his city, not the altars of his ancestors, not the Republic itself, for these were claimed as the inheritance of both sides. But he could attach himself to the fortunes of a general and be certain of finding comradeship in the ranks of that general's army and identify in the reflected glory of the general's name. This was why the legions of Gaul had been willing to cross the Rubicon. What, after nine years campaigning, were the traditions of the distant forum to them? Uh, were the traditions of the distant distant forum to them compared to the comradeship of the army camp? And what was the Republic compared to their general? There was no one capable of inspiring a more passionate devotion in his troops than Caesar. Amid all the confusion of war, it had become perhaps the surest measure of his greatness. Oh, that's really nicely done. Yeah, very well written. It's great prose. Mm-hmm. It's great prose. And uh, it's got an excellent point. Yes. And it puts me in mind of perhaps a, a comparison I'd like to make, if you'll allow. And that is, um, I read a little bit about the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a buff, you might say. but uh, <laughs> You aspire to be a buff. I aspire to be a buff. Yeah. And one thing that's interesting about the Northern side, the Union, is that... For the first couple of years, they had no outstanding generals. They had this guy, McClellan, Little Mac, right? Yes. And he was kind of a dog as a general, apparently. Very impressive on the drilling grounds, but couldn't win any battles. Hmm. Whereas the South had this genteel, aristocratic Robert E. Lee, right, mm-hmm. who cuts an imposing figure. So the moral and other kinds of political questions aside, in the early days, the South had much better leadership. Yes. It wasn't until much later in the war that you got your Ulysses S. Grant and your Sherman Sherman, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Now you have people who are, they turned out to be better than Lee. Yes. And the soldiers rallied around him. Hmm. So it's maybe it's a little bit analogous here. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. So, um, yeah, don't underestimate the importance of charisma right. and charm and, and likability. That's right. kind of those intangibles. That's why you're helming this episode, Dr. Winkle. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so what is it that we're giving to the listener today precisely? Well, I remember I brought up maybe doing this episode. Your first thought was, Hasn't that been done a zillion times but, before? But that's right? my first thought to everything. Right. Well, that is true. That's Lunch? True. That's been done before. Yeah, come on. What are we doing here at, at this <laughs> restaurant? But, you know, you have a good point, though. I mean, oh, I, th- thank you. I think if you were to go on YouTube or or other tubes and other podcasts and podcasts and search up the assassination of Caesar, you'd probably find lots of, of, uh, of shows doing this kind of thing. Maybe even it's been done to death, done to death. Right. Right. So the question is, what are we, what are us chuckleheads going to bring right. to the table? Right. Well, I think we're going to bring our, um, our charm and our wit. Okay. I think we're going to bring our linguistic acumen. We, you know, how many, how many podcasts covering the, the death of Caesar are actually reading some Latin or, so, or some, Greek, some Cassius, Dio Cassius, some Plutarch, 
yes. digging down into the details, you exactly might say. Exactly right. So I think, you know, very few of those other podcasts are talking about the various sources that mm. um, uh, you know, tell the story. They're just going to tell it as if it was like it's coming out of some novel. So it's not going to be like the student that we took to um, Eleusis many years ago who said, if I see another old thing, another old rock, I'm going to puke. I'm going to puke, right. right. It's not like that. No, 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 no. But I would say that if you're one of those listeners that, that's starting to feel a little bit nauseous, yeah. right, hang on there. Yeah. Just hang on, we'll, we'll help you keep it down. We're going to try to deliver, right? We are going to try to deliver. Okay, right? so I'm about this close to changing the channel, someone might say. Yes, yeah. Over to a slew of Matlock returns. <laughs> we, want to repre- we, want to, we want to prevent that at all costs. You think anybody knows who Matlock is, Winkle? <laughs> that's such a That's such a... A dated references. isn't it? He was it? played by Andy Griffith, right? He was. He was a, a, like a Southern courtroom yes. uh, prosecutor, defense attorney or something. I don't know. A slimmer Perry Mason. Yes, exactly right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we're going to try to do. And we're, we're, we're going to bring our own kind of fresh flavor to this, maybe this uh, dusty old topic. All right. Well, let's right. get right into it then, shall we? All right. So we got to set this up with the um, the political situation. You know what's happening uh, in the 40s BC when this is all kind of all coming to a head. You know the, the Holland quote kind of set this up is that um, one of the problems in the breakdown of the republic, or perhaps the main problem was, was that uh, you had these legions um, swearing their allegiance to an individual and no longer to the to the republic. Yes, yep. and they are a long long way from Rome. Yes, if they're in some dim forest, you know, in uh, southern or northern France. Who really cares what's happening down in, you know, the Sunlit Forum in Italy? Right. Who's really going to save your bacon? Exactly. It's Julius Caesar. Right. This force of nature. Right. And we and we know that, you know, the the higher ups and the elites and people like Cicero, you know, they could exchange letters with friends that right. were uh, um, you know, at great distance from them. But your ordinary average legionary, what kind of news are they getting from home? Right. Right. So the the army becomes their home. Right. And Caesar becomes their lodestar for for everything. Yes. Yeah. Now, officially, you know, there were to be no women or children in the Roman camp. That was the Roman law. But of course, a lot of the Roman soldiers, the legionnaires and so forth, legionnaires, legionaries. Legionaries, maybe. I hear legionnaires. I, I think, think French. Or oh, I think the disease. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the French Foreign Legion, the, the legionaries. Yeah. I hear Hansen's diet root beer. I think the disease also, <laughs> which they used to call leprosy. But uh, so every camp had a large entourage, you know, mm-hmm. of uh, common law wives and children and kind of a traveling carnival that went with the camp. And yeah. Those people were exposed to great danger if the you know, the enemy ever turned their forces toward them. But like you're saying, it was it was a home away from home for 20 plus years. Right, right, right. So Roman in name, but quite different otherwise. Right. A traveling carnival, but without all the, you know, you didn't have your bearded ladies and the uh, the tilt-a-whirl. Right. No, it was much more, it was more, much more gritty than that. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Right. So, um, I mean, there's a whole other kind of bastard. This kind of breakdown of the republic. This um, I don't know, generals becoming more important than right. than kind of the you know, the myth of the republic that's been had been going on for decades. But they can go listen to our episode uh, with Dr. Watts. Right? Oh, right, right, right. Uh, Mortal Republic it was Dr. Ed Watts, right? Yes. Yep. And who covers the, this kind of this period in much more detail? Very well. Yep. Yep. So um, Caesar has been with up in Gaul, mm-hmm. you know, roughly. Francy area. Yep, 58 to 51 BC, mm-hmm. about, about a decade. Yep, he's been there a long time, and he's um, he's coming back home. Yeah. Because he has a rival, Pompey, that he needs to deal with, and some things, some serious things need to be sorted out back in the capital. Yep, and for that eight-year period, he's sending missives back all the time, 
And the aristocracy is getting more and more nervous. Wow, this guy's power is growing. And how are we going to deal with him? Can he be reintegrated into Roman political society? Well, as we found out, no. No. He can't no. be. <laughs> he right. can't be. Um, but there's also the sense that some of these these uh, senators are also thinking, well, if this is the way it's going to go, I'm going to try to get on his good side. Yeah. Right? Or and, I, may, uh, I may be better gather my own troops and make a run at it myself. If, <laughs> if this is the new norm. Yeah, I want to grab the ring for myself. Yeah, right? I don't want to be left out. If sure. everyone's making electric cars, maybe I can be the next Elon Musk. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, so 49 BC, yep. Caesar is he's marching with his troops back down the boot of Italy, and he comes to the the famous Rubicon River. Yes, which uh, and why is this is important? Why did why, you know, why this pause at the Rubicon? Well, it was because the Senate had said, "Here's the boundary, right? right? The the limit." Kind of like an extension of the pomerium, mm-hmm. right? You might think, I know you don't, but the listener might think pomerium is a kind of a wax you might take out of a little tin can and spread it across your hair so right, you just, can look like it. George Clooney. <laughs> exactly, right. Dapper Dan. Right. But yeah. no, pomerium is the, the specific limit uh, past which no arms were uh, permitted. So yes. it's a it's a weapons-free zone within the city of Rome. You can't take any arms into that spot. It's sacred. Yes. And so we can, I'm not saying this is technically what the Senate did, because it's not, but we can see it like that. Here is the extended pomerium. It goes all the way out to the Rubicon. Don't cross that, or you are now going to be declared an enemy of the state. Right. Um, but what does he do? He crosses anyway, mm-hmm. right? He, uh, he is said to have said, Ali Ayakta as the die is cast. Yes, right? time to play Yahtzee. Time to play Yahtzee, right. And so, uh, and he marches on Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, Pompey packs up and flees. Yeah, heads off to Brundisium, mm-hmm. right? Supposedly, I don't know if this is Plutarch, you might know. Uh, the story was Pompey believed, I've mentioned it on the podcast before because I really like it. Pompey believed he was so popular, if he stamps his foot... All of Italy will rise up in his defense. Hmm. Well, Pompey kept stamping, and no, nobody's coming. No, he was doing he was doing like an, an Irish uh, <laughs> an Irish dance, right? That's right. It was river dance. <laughs> it was river dancing all over the place. Nothing was happening. Nothing was happening he, because he seriously overestimated his popularity and mm-hmm. support. Classic political error. Yep. If the people aren't with you, you're done, no you're, matter what you think about yourself. Exactly right. So he hightails it. Yep. He ultimately winds up in the east. And, and the Senate goes with him. Yes. Goes off to Brundisium, but Caesar, you know, with his lightning caleritas, sweeps down there and blockades the harbor. Right. And he barely gets away to uh, the Greek side, to Dyrrhachium. Right. So um, within a short time, uh, the uh, well, you know, the, the, uh, the powers that be in Rome... A lot of them seem to take the the position that well, what's maybe the best thing to do is just kind of kiss this guy's rear end, mm. and um, they start kind of awarding him more and more right. honors and, and 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 such, and he's ultimately declared uh, uh, dictator perpetuo. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, the, so the office of dictator. Could we pause for a minute, please? I mean, you're helming this. I don't want to. No, nope, no, take it away. Harsh this, the vibe. This is great. Yep. But dictator, right, was an official uh, position within the Roman system of government. I think it was a six month term. And you took an oath that at the end of that six months, I will lay down all of my authority yes. and return to the life of a private citizen. It was an emergency stopgap, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's something that I think the, uh, the, the authors of the U.S. Constitution, Madison and others, considered very carefully mm-hmm. because there may come a time when you need someone who's really decisive. And uh, democracies are not good at defending themselves, typically, because yeah. there's too many people with ideas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. And so... This had happened a few times before. Cincinnatus, 
had laid down the dictatorship. Went back to his plow, right? That's right. Yep. And that was Washington's um, example. I think uh, Quintus Fabius, um, Cunctator, Slowpoke. Slowpoke, yep. He had been a uh, dictator and he had laid it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sulla? Sulla, exactly. Mm-hmm. The difference here is um, Caesar is declared dictator, you know, forever. Forever, right. right. In perpetuum. And what that means is he's not going to lay it down. He's not going to lay it down. And in for, for all intents and purposes, in many people's eyes, the Republic, therefore, is dead. It's dead. It's dead. So what does Livy say about this? So Livy uh, famously points to... Um, three events that okay. he says, not not kind of the, the cause of Caesar's uh, or the impetus of Caesar's assassination, but these kind of the last straws, you might, you might say. He says, the, he points to these three things that kind of finally tipped it towards a conspiracy that ultimately gathers to, to off this guy. Mm. So the first one is in um, sometime in the year 45 or 44, um, again, the Senate is granting Caesar extraordinary honors. Uh, they make a big public show of this. There's kind of a, a parade, a delegation to the Temple of, of Venus Genetrix, which is right off the, the Roman Forum there. Mm-hmm. And Caesar is waiting for them, and they arrive, and Caesar's in his chair, and he does not get up to greet Ooh. them. Ooh, the big snub. So can I just ask about what were some of these extraordinary honors for a minute? I mean, uh, we're about the same age. Mm-hmm. We're, we're almost to that point where we can get the coffee discount at McDonald's. <laughs> Is that right? Right. You know about this, right? Well, you want to hear something really depressing for me? Oh, I'd love it. Yeah. Uh, the, the other day, I was I was picking up some groceries at the local, you know, farm and fruit. Yes. And and Trader uh, Joe's with the avocados. The guy's ringing it up, and I see on the you know the, the screen, you can see how much you're paying there. Yeah. The guy just without saying a word, without saying anything, just automatically gave me the senior discount. <laughs> I saved sixty-seven cents on some <sighs> limes and and sundries. And you don't like? I can tell by the indignation in your face that you didn't care for this. Well, I was amused at the time, but then when I came home and told my family, and they just roared with laughter. The reality that, sunk uh, in. You know, I join, didn't like it. Yeah, join the boat. Right. So, um, have you gotten any mail from the AARP? Oh, once I turned 50 or just on the cusp of turning right. 50, oh, it was, it's, a, it's a deluge. Yeah, ancient Americans requesting privileges. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So, I figure that, you know, if, if I'm... If I apparently look the part, I yeah. might as well take advantage of this. Yeah, yeah live it to the full. Yeah, why not? Go right. to sleep at four o'clock, you know, and uh, yeah. so on and so forth. Exactly. Wear my, start wearing my pants a little higher. <laughs> so did Caesar get these privileges? <laughs> you know, he could he could pull into any Panera and get a free half a bagel it or was, anything? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it went beyond kind of the, uh, you're getting your toga dry clean. Right. You know, but um, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I it's I think it's kind of more and more, you know, positions within the, re- the Republic, which, which right. technically should have been... You know, voted upon. Yeah, he's Quaestor, right. he's Pontifex Maximus. Exactly, right. He's all these perpetuo, right? Right. Exactly. And so that kind of stuff. But he doesn't, he does. He, he, get, he receives these honors, but he doesn't bother getting out of his chair. So why not get out of the chair? What's the issue? Well, I mean, we don't know. We okay. don't know. But it's interpreted as, as kind of a huge snub. Mm. And so if it's this odd thing. So they're, they're giving these guys all these honors, but at the same time, they're kind, of, they're kind of going, well, who does this guy think he is? Right. Sitting there in the Barca lounger and, right. and uh, not, you know, not you know, standing up to greet us. Right. Well, apparently, you know, these are how people manipulate one another. Power plays. Mm-hmm. Like a long pause before answering a question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like that. And also sometimes <laughs> if someone walks into a room, you remain seated. Because right? mm. I'm the important one. I'll sit down. I'll make you stand. Right? Yes, yes, yes. So yes. Caesar's playing these these mind games, I guess. Right. And it's working. It's working. But yeah, it does, it comes off you know, on the pages. It's so petty. Yeah. But such is the nature of these things. Of power. Right, yeah. Sure. And so well, big things can turn on small dimes. Exactly. Right. So what's the second thing? So the second, th- the second thing. That Livy mentions. So um, also in roughly the same era, 
uh, maybe early in 44, as the, some of the tribunes uh, in the, you know, within the government, they discover that uh, there's a statue of Caesar in, on the rostra in the forum, the, the, the speaking platform, and somebody has planted a, a crown, a diadem on top oh. of it. So, oh, somebody wants to see Caesar king. Right. And the term rakes is nephos, right? Yes, right. You're not supposed to say it. It's no. forbidden. Right. Right, right, right. And so they, the, the, the tribunes order it removed. Um, Caesar says, oh, you guys, that's a plant. You guys did that just because you have it out for me. To discredit him. To discredit him, right? Mm. Yep. So it's a... be a clever move. It would be a clever move. You could just pick one up at Burger King and you know, <laughs> slap it on the, slap it on the statue. statue and... Right, right, exactly. And you can you have your little tempest in a teapot. That's right. Right. And then also, apparently around the same time, Caesar's riding by a crowd and uh, on his horse and Somebody calls up and shouts out, hey, there goes Rex. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Rex, how's it going? Make him king. Yes. Hmm. So this is this is really starting to ruffle some feathers. Right. And making some people very, very nervous. Hmm. Right. And then the, the third one. The third one that Libby tells us. Is arguably the most famous one. Uh, right. Probably because um, this figure's in the Shakespeare play. Yeah. Right. This is during, this is uh, February 15, uh, 44 BC, exactly a month uh, before the assassination itself. And the Romans are ce- celebrating the Lupercalia. Of course. Which is a really weird festival. It's the Wolf Festival. The Wolf Festival, right? It has something to do with, with um, you know, Romulus and Remus and, and, and that jazz. But it, it, it involved all kinds of, uh, certainly to the contemporary eye, odd rituals of men running through the streets um, wearing kind of wolf wolf cloaks right uh, and not much else right and then having like leather strips and like smacking people to kind of encourage fertility as you do yeah <laughs> so is this like that uh, that jason bateman film which one you know uh teen wolf or... teen wolf right now that this is this is much better so right. first it was michael j fox yes he was he was in jason bateman was teen wolf too because they couldn't pay michael j fox or the he said you he says you can't pay me enough to, to do, do that, that. <laughs> It, or the name Fox and the wolf theme was too close. So Maybe it was. Better get a Bateman in here. Right. I think by that time he had gotten um, uh, Back to the Future. Oh, and he says, I'm much not, bigger I'm money. not slumming it. No, no. This. Right, right. So, so were you going to play the wolf in the third? At wolf, Teen Wolf 3? Were you on tap for that? Or? If they had offered to me, I would have jumped You'd at have that. You'd have gone for it. It would have gone straight to VHS. Right. <laughs> you should have jumped because, you know, with a senior discount now... It's not going to be a lot of jumping, right? I feel like I'm. I'm feeling there's going to be a lot of kind of callback to this. Oh yeah, I brought this. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. So, um, right. So yeah, it's kind of weird. There's, there's weird slapping right. odd things, and then so, uh, but it, it all kind of be, ends with a big um, uh, to do down by the rostra in the forum where the crowds are gathered, and, and Caesar's there, and Mark Antony, of course, famously climbs on the rostra and has a diadem, and he and he, he makes a show of kind of trying to put it on Caesar's head. Right. And he says, no, no, no. You know, I, I, Caesar refuses. Refuses three times, mm-hmm. apparently. And saying, um, uh, you know, only Jupiter is king. Mm. Antony claims he says, no, I'm just acting on behalf of the people. Right. They want, they want this. Um, and so Caesar refuses, but it could, is it all just a show? Mm. Right. And I think one of the things that is, you know, uh, I think because of the kind of the Shakespearean formality that's applied to this scene is that Antony was one of these wolf guys these kind of wolfman, mostly nude guys running around. A lycanthropist. Yes. And this, I mean, so picture that, jumping up on the rostra. No thanks. Rostra. So we got a kind of a, a mostly nude Anthony offering the crown. Right. You don't see that in the uh, in the uh, the stage productions. No, you don't. No, you don't, right. So these three events together then uh, suggest that Caesar, for all of his, maybe his bashfulness about this, is like he has no respect for the Senate. Right. Um, they're calling him rakes. He doesn't think it's a big deal. It is a big deal. And it's just a matter of time before he kind of formally says, okay, Dictator Perpetua becomes Rakes with a capital R. Yeah. So yep. it's going to be um, precipitating a crisis. Yep. 
So when I first come to grad school, you know, I had a pretty standard view of Caesar and his motives and so forth. Uh, Republic good, empire bad. Yes. Caesar, you know, threat to liberty. I like freedom and liberty. I'm fairly libertarian in my own thinking about, you know, human society. Mm -hmm. So Caesar's the big villain. And then I encounter my professor who tells me that, well, there's another way to understand it. And that is that all of these individuals are more like mafiosi Mm. and they're competing for the same prize. And the only thing different about Caesar is he had the boldness to seize it, to, to grab it. Yes. And I think that, based on our discussion with Dr. Watts and other other reading, that that's probably closer to the truth. Yeah, I would agree with that. And so you would take, uh, you know, all the the talk of of you know libertas and returning to, right. to the, the republic more just just kind of propaganda on behalf uh, of the the republican um, yes heroes. Yeah, with maybe the exception of Cicero. Okay. Well, he was he was well as we learned he was left out of kind of the right of uh, of the of the big of the big move. Yeah, because he couldn't keep a secret. Apparently, <laughs> is that what it was? He was too talkative, too chatty. He was texting everybody. <laughs> right. What what would, would the abbreviation be? Uh, well, it'd be, be like um, C uh, J C Gaius Julius Caesar. Yeah. You know, TBK to be killed. Something like that. <laughs> he'd be on a group text. That's right. <laughs> People be thumbing through, you know, the the Roman handbook of acronyms. What right. does this mean? What does he mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Rolling on the forum, laughing out loud. So. <laughs> now you're a Cicero guy. Yeah. Um, but my sense of Cicero too is that, yeah, maybe you couldn't keep a secret, but also didn't really have the stomach for this kind of thing. No, right? I no, don't think so. No, it was that he wasn't. He didn't have that 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 you know that literal killer instinct that he needed. Perhaps His, it, right. His yeah. military service was very slim compared right. to the other men. Right, right, that right. That may be something of it. Yes. So we get into the second part here. Yeah. I'd like to hear about the conspiracy. No, you woulds. All right. <laughs> let's do it. So um, so this apparently, like according, this is Libby's kind of point of view, but um, yeah, the picture I'm sure is much, much bigger than this. Um, this was enough for guys like Longinus and Brutus. Right. Um, they've heard enough. And so they start to, to kind of secretly recruit others and saying, um, we've got to get rid of this guy. And we, it can't be just us. It can't be just a one a, a lone gunman. We can't right. have a Lee Harvey Oswald. Right. We need a whole group. We need a, a Jack Ruby. A, a Jack Ruby. Well, we, need, we need a whole a whole crew. We need okay. uh, Ruby and and all the we need Costner, some, some Cubans and and the Boy Scouts and right all of this involved. Otherwise, it's not going to look legitimate. Right. Right. So if it's just one person going in there and taking him out, well, then that's just going to cause more trouble. But if we can have a whole group yeah. involved now, and it's also by everybody wielding a knife in the group, you're all kind of sworn together in this kind of blood oath. There's right. no getting out of it. You didn't go for the Costner reference. What, I missed, I, I'm sorry, what was the... Where, it's the JFK movie. Oh, that's right. Oh, I was, I was, I, I hated that movie. It was a uh, 92, maybe? Yeah. Oliver uh, Stone. Oliver Stone, who kind of goes off the rails with the... Kevin Bacon was a part of that he movie. He was in that? Oh, yeah. Everybody was in that. Joe Pesci was in there? I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 but... Um, Robin Williams? <laughs> No, I don't think he was in there. Of course, the joke was that by the end of that movie, who wasn't involved? Exactly. In the, in the conspiracy, <laughs> the conspiracy. Right? right, right. But the the um, the party line is, we have to do this because the Republic must be saved. Right. right? And then Brutus, of course, he traces his family lineage back to um, an earlier Marcus Brutus who um, overthrew the, the tyrant king. 509 BC. 509. Yep. The end of the monarchy. He and Colatinus, the... You know, the setting up of the consulate. Yes. With the death of Lucretia. Exactly. So there seems to be a lot of uh, symbolic weight placed on Brutus's shoulders. Mm-hmm. And he's also um, fairly close to Caesar. I mean, there are those rumors that circulated that he was actually maybe even Caesar's son. Yeah. Kaisu Technon. Yeah. Yes. Even yeah. you, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, who knows? It makes for a great 
tabloid. Absolutely. I yeah. think it's Cal- was Calpurnia. I think Calpurnia, Calpurnia. Yep. is uh, Brutus's mother. Right. With whom Caesar had a dalliance. Yes, he did. So what's the paternity? Who knows? Right? It was too early for 23 and Me, right? Yeah, yeah or Maury Povich, you are the father, right? <laughs> yeah. That's from a current affair? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a, yeah just DNA tests and, and um, embarrassing people. Yeah. Right. I need, to, I need to lay myself down a little challenge here. Okay. Before the end of the episode, I have to think of um, a good Latin equivalent of a current affair. A current affair, yeah. If the Romans had a tabloid show. Yeah. What would it be named? Yeah, okay. You're going to work on that in the back I'm gonna, of your mind? I'm going to work on it. Okay, all right. All right I'm gonna, I'll, I'll be pretending that. to listen to you, <laughs> and I'll be scrolling through lists of Latin forms trying to figure out well, what Well, you've really, had lots of practice what doing really that. What really fits. Ignoring so. me. And, and oh, <laughs> poor Winkle. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's, it's it's the senior discount thing. It's, is it? It's, 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 I'm lashing out. I'm projecting. It's this lousy smarch weather, right. I would say. So the, so the they gathered together uh, a fairly large group of people. I was saying, yeah, I, I'm in. Um, but questions about, you know, what do we do with Cicero? What do we do with Mark Antony? Where does he stand in all of this? Um, and so, yeah, Cicero, too, too talkative. I, I also read that some people thought he was too old. I yeah. Was in the 60s by not, by this point. He couldn't, he couldn't wield a dagger. Couldn't wield a dagger. Right. Dagger would come up and just, you know, scratch Caesar's toga, something, something like that. Something like that. I can't, I can't picture Cicero, you know, um, with, with dagger in hand. No. Hmm. That, and, and Antony, too, he was Caesar's right-hand man, you know, for all these years um, out there with the legions, and he's he's young, he's thirty nine, and yeah. nobody's exactly sure what where his allegiances lie. They seem to be pretty strongly with Caesar. You know, Cicero was only fifty at the time of the assassination. Well, he was only fifty. He's younger than he was younger than you are now. Uh, see, now you're just back, ru- just rubbing it in. Back to he, the grocery store. He wasn't even he wasn't even eligible <laughs> for the dry clean discount. No, he wasn't. Oh, gosh, ridiculous. But time is of the essence. Oh. Time is of the essence. It's got to happen now because they learn that Cicero, that, sorry, sorry, Caesar is planning his next campaign. Mm. And he's going to go out east and he's going to leave on March 18th. Okay. And this would be one of these campaigns where he'd likely be gone for years, right? Mm-hmm. And gathering, you know, getting more treasure, uh, getting richer, getting more popular. Right. And so they say, if we're going to do this, we got to do this now. So, so for his terminus, mm-hmm. it's a terminus antiquem. It is a terminus antiquem. Very right. good. Yes. Thank you. All right. Um, is that Latin? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very funny. <laughs> yeah. And so the question was, okay, we've got, we've got, you know, less than a month. Right. When are we going to do this? Where are we going to do this? Yep. They got to get it planned out. Yep. And, and there was no, there was no slack, right? No. Or other kind of work-based app that they could have used. Nothing. No Zotero, no Google Keep. No. How exactly. are they going to put this all together? I don't know. Exactly. Not, they don't have WhatsApp. And, right. right. Exactly. That's because, of course, you know, Cicero gets on that group text, you're, you're done. <laughs> the whole thing blows <laughs> up. Right, right. So the, there was the first idea, which is actually my favorite, just because it's so kind of ridiculous and, and cinematic, is that maybe they'd ambush him when he's walking on the Via Sacra. Mm. And they uh, at a particular bridge, they'd, um, they'd uh, gang rush him and push him over the bridge into the water. And down in the water, I guess, you know, I guess with their togas hiked up over their knees, <laughs> you have a bunch of guys waiting with daggers and they stab him to death in the river. You ever try to do anything in a river or <laughs> in, in the water generally? <laughs> Right? It just turns into a splash fight. It's impossible. It is, right. Have you ever accidentally gone into the water fully clothed? Accidentally? Well, I mean, you you know, you're horsing around with your buddies. Right, right. Uh, for you a long, long time ago, and someone throws you into the water, and yeah. you still got your pants and your sweatshirt on. Yeah, you're not doing anything. It's impossible. It's impossible, right. So this is a terrible idea. Right. Because, you know, one of these guys is going to slip. Right. He's going to get his toga soaked. He's going to be complaining. <laughs> right. So it was good that they didn't do this. This river mud is never going to come out. <laughs> 
Another idea was uh, maybe at a, um, a gladiatorial game. This is appealing. Which it's a, you know it's a little rowdy already. Correct. And you see people carrying weapons around. It's not going to no cause, raise any attention. Any red flag. Caesar goes and uh, picks up some juji fruits. Maybe right, right, exactly. Grab him. Get right. him right there at Get, the concession. Right. So um, I know about a you know hundred years from or, uh, just under hundred years from now, uh, Caligula right is ambushed on his way down to the Circus Maximus. That's right. Right. So about forty one. I think about forty one. Forty one. Exactly. Yep. Right. Yeah. So um, ultimately, we do hear about C- um, Caesar's being murdered at the games. Right. Um, that this this was also thought to be maybe uh, you know too public, too crazy, too hard to control. There's too many factors. Well, you that, don't know what's going to happen next. Right. The, the crowd seems really to have loved Caesar. Antony may have been exaggerating. I do this for the sake of the people, mm-hmm. but he wasn't completely no. off the mark. They seem to really love all the largesse he showered on them. Exactly, right. And so I, I think that's one of the most fascinating things about this story is just how badly Brutus and the crew misread Absolutely. the situation. They had no idea uh, the reaction they were going to get. And then, you know, the business of Caesar's will all the stuff that's read publicly and all the stuff that he bequeathed to the people in yep. terms of money and land. It's like he it's like Caesar had almost planned this. Like if I go down Right. I'm I'm ruining everybody I'm else. I'm ruining everybody else. And, and he, he does. Yeah. It's yeah. brilliant. Yep. Absolutely brilliant. So what do they settle on? Because we're coming up on the break here. Yeah. Yep. What, what do they settle on? So they're gonna do it at a, at a Senate meeting. Ah. Right. So um you know they can um it's it's more you know a tightly enclosed place. Uh, they can kind of control the situation. Uh, they can do it out of the public eye. Everybody that's uh, in the conspiracy can be involved and have um, you know, wield a dagger. Mm. And um, there's one last Senate meeting scheduled before his his departure. And they say, this is the perfect time and mm. the perfect place. And Caesar's wife gets a dream. She right? does. Don't go down to the forum. Don't. Don't do it. She 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 sees him. She sees him dead in this dream and... and uh, and says this is bad, and he, she ultimately, it seems, according to the sources, convinces him uh, that this this is a bad idea. And so, and Caesar just thinking, you know, I don't want to see those guys anyway. Right. He sends a messenger off. Meeting canceled. Can't we just do a Zoom call? Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't, can't the Senate meet over Zoom? It's be so much easier. <laughs> right. What, what what would his background be? The, oh, in in his uh, yeah. What would he put behind him? Gaul, there? probably. Probably Gaul. Something Gaully. Right. Yeah. Just you know, first Surrendering. Surrendering. Exactly. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Kel- Kelzone. I don't know. Kel- Kelzone. Like what? a big pile of Kelzone. <laughs> um. So, the conspirators panic now. Say, so, okay, if he cancels the Senate meeting, we're, we're done. done. What are we doing? Like, because he's leaving for the east in three days. And so they send uh, Decimus is his name. They send him over, and he's the one who kind of shames Caesar into coming. He's like, really, you're going to listen to your wife's dream? Right. That's what's holding you back. What kind of a man are you? Exactly. And he kind of maybe tweaks a Caesar where um, it hurts. Mm-hmm. And so Caesar says, "Fine, I'll go." Mm. And um, he makes his way. And that was the lethal decision. That right was there. the lethal decision. And we'll we'll get to that the particulars of that part of the story after the break. This episode of Ad Nauseum is brought to you by Hackett Publishing, with offices in Indianapolis, Massachusetts, and Cambridge, Indiana. Is that right? No, it's uh, Indianapolis. Did I switch them? Indiana. Ah. Cambridge, Massachusetts. Got it. Hackett, for 50 years now, has been bringing exactly what to the reading public, Dr. Winkle? All kinds of great stuff. Well, pick one out and tell Uh, us about just one. They've been been, um, uh, reliable purveyors of um, translations of, of ancient works, you know, all corners of, of the classics, but also in many other areas of academia, affordable, digestible, readable, um, 
excellent translations for 50 years, and it just keeps on going. It keeps going, yeah. Yep. They've been supporting us from the very beginning with so much generosity, and they got great products. They do. Translations of Ovid's Metamorphoses, the Ambrose translation, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Yes. And the Stanley Lombardo. Yep. Fantastic stuff. They got stuff on Erasmus. If you want to go back and look at Dr. Amphibolus, I presume. Yes. And then yes. you can read along and see the material that's really behind that. That's right. They've got new uh, translations of uh, Aristophanes Frogs, which right. we did an episode on that. Is that, as is well. that Meinke? Uh, Meinick. Meinick. Meinick has yes. the new translation. Yep. We've got a new Aristotle series, several translations of the Republic, Greek tragedy, you name it. Thucydides. Yep. It keeps coming. So, um, uh, listener. If you want to take uh, advantage of the deals we offer here, uh, go to hackettpublishing.com, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, publishing.com, and uh, search their, their catalog. It's um, vast. It's vast. So you might want to, you know, be sitting down when you enter into that labyrinth. That's right. That's right. Take your time. Um, it's just, it's fun to do anyway, but find the, the text that you want, drop them in your little tote bag. We didn't mention the tote bag. I'm about to. Okay. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. Drop them into the, the digital tote bag. That's right. And, um, type in the, um, uh, the coupon code. Right. Uh, AN2022. That's right. Ad so nauseum. Ad nauseum. 2022. Yep. Exactly. And you will get 20% off. Just heard from an individual this week, the aforementioned friend down in Ohio. Yes. Uh, who didn't get back to me in time for his shout-out. But he took advantage of this. He did. He yep. saved huge on some great resources from Hackett by using our coupon code. That's right. And while supplies last, what else is Hackett giving, giving listeners? Did you mention the free shipping? I didn't. Yeah, so 20% off and free shipping, right? And while supplies last, while supplies last in you, honor of the anniversary celebration. You can get your uh, official Hackett Publishing tote bag mm-hmm. with uh, orders of $50 or more. Yeah, so you don't want to miss that. Check it out. This episode of Ad Nauseam also brought to you by Ratio Coffee. Uh, Ratio Coffee, uh, helmed by our good friend Mark Helwig, right? Yeah, it's the brew child of Mark Helwig. The brew child of Mark Helwig, all the way out there in Portland, Oregon. That's right, right. where did, the werewolves live. Did you grow up saying, I, was, I grew up saying Oregon. I did too, because we're Michiganders. Right, and then when I met people from Oregon at in college, yes, they, they, said, they would not stand for it. It's Oregon. Oregon. I would say Oregon. 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 Yeah. I would just mispronounce it just to irritate them, mm-hmm. right? Um, but that's beside the point. What would calm them down in their irritation? Uh, maybe some, some finely brewed coffee. A good cup of coffee that's from right. our friend Mark Helweg. That's right. So, I'd like to read a little bit of a, uh, oh, yeah. a review again this week. Yeah, what do you got there? This is uh, from Kim Westerman. This is quite recent, January of 2022. Mm-hmm. From a website called Savour.com. That, that sounds a little Frenchy. I don't Ooh, know. It's Gallic. <laughs> S-A-V-E-U-R. Ratio, Savour.com. Ratio got best overall, the ratio six in the category of home coffee makers. I'm not surprised. Okay. Yeah. So let's read some of the pros that Ms. Westerman said about the ratio six. All right. So he says uh, it's a... She, she. She, sorry. She says a built-in bloom cycle, a wide, even wedding shower style head uses regular basket filters, a carafe is a wide enough open for easy cleaning. Yes. Now, um, there are some cons. How could that be? Okay. okay. What is it? Listen that? to this. The plug must be forcefully secured. <laughs> that's, that's it? A, that's a con. That's right. That's like buying a bottle of beer and, you know, complaining that the cap has to be removed. Or say, if you buy these pants, they need to be zipped. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's a big drawback. <laughs> <It is. laughs> the, the other con, uh, again, she, she says... Um, on the expensive side, mm-hmm. let's just say slightly less attainable than something from, you know, Dak and Blecker. Right. right. But you get what you pay for. You do get what you pay and for. And we can help you with that. Exactly. That's right. 
So um, I have the ratio six. You've got the ratio eight. I do. Both yep. fine machines. Excellent machines. Uh, wh- why did Ms. Westerman and the folks at Savour.com, if I can go back to this just for a minute, mm-hmm. why did they choose the ratio six as best in category? Well, she writes, um, the uh, the ratio six is simple to use. It brews a wide range of coffee types consistently well, has a minimalist footprint, and best replicates the manual pour-over style of coffee. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it right there. She has encapsulated everything that makes these coffee machines great. Right. So if you want to take advantage of our offer here, go to RatioCoffee.com, and you can order either Ratio 6 or the Ratio 8. Uh, type in the coupon code ANCO, it's Ad Nauseum Coffee, and they will get, what is it again? 15% off. 15% off, right. And, uh, you know, I've spoken to some folks uh, who have one of these, not just you and I. Mm-hmm. They love the machine. They do. So reliable. I've been using mine for um, going on three years now. It, it looks basically brand new. Yeah. Unchanged after three years. Yep. I've had mine for a year and a half now, and it's um, yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. I use it every single morning. Very reliable. Yeah. So um, uh, don't hesitate. Check it out. Racialcoffee.com. All right. Now, as we get back into it this afternoon, Jeff, mm-hmm. where are we going next in the story of Caesar's assassination? Well, we're going we're to we're talk a little bit at first about what's arguably one of the most famous dates in not just Roman history, but in, in world history. That's You're right. The Ides of March. Mm-hmm. Right. So I thought it'd be it, this is something these other these other you know podcasts mm. aren't going to cover. You're feeling a little defensive. A little defensive. I feel like I I, I think I, I feel like we have to bring it. Okay. Right? All right. But um. You know what the heck is an Ides? Yeah, right? so this is like the it's like the D Day, right? It, it's yes. a Roman D Day. Yes, 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 exactly. So, but what does that even mean? I remember okay. once playing Scrabble with a friend, and my friend tried to to play the word Ied. <laughs> I said, "What's an Ied?" I said, "Well, it's the singular of Ides." Yeah, I don't said, think no, so. No, 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 no. <laughs> right. But the Ides is tried a, that out on you, <sighs> Latin Maven. I think he was actually trying to impress me by you know, okay. his, his knowledge. But it's the singular of Ied. Right. <laughs> So the Ides, uh, I thought we could talk, just briefly talk about sure. how the Roman calendar works. Oh boy, it's, it, it's it's not it's it's odd. Yes, right. So they, um, you know, a, a lot of the, the the months that we we have in our current calendar are taken from, yeah. from the Romans. Yeah. So so first, if I can say, yes, were you headed somewhere else? No, 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 no. Go please. It used to be the case that March was the first month of the year in the Roman calendar. Yes. Yeah. And one of the reasons that's easy to remember is. Uh, Mars is the father of Romulus and Remus. There you go. So the Romans, that's my mnemonic device. Uh, yes. So March begins, and this is why uh, this is why September is called that. It's the seventh month if you count from March. Right. October, November, December. Then we inserted two more in there, right? July and August. Yeah, they right. got the names of those months, Sextilis and Quintilis, uh, Quintilis and Sextilis got changed to Julius and Augustus. Right. Which messes up the whole count since we start in January, right? right. So September, the seventh month, is actually the ninth. Right. But so if your birthday so is in January, that's good. That's good because you don't have to wait as long. Exactly. <laughs> Listen to the last episode. <laughs> right. So, but the way that they would um, refer to dates, um, they wouldn't just say, you know, March 1, you know, 2, 3, all the way down to March 31. They would um, organize their dates uh, to these kind of points within the month. Right. And so the Ides is... It's the 15th day of the month if your month has 31 days, and it's the 13th day if it doesn't. Right. And there were also, um, what's, what, what's the other term? The, well, the Kalends is the first. Kalends is, is day one. Yeah, then the knowns. The knowns. Which means ninth, 
but actually isn't on the ninth day. No. It's right. it's the seventh in a month of 31 days, and it's for uh, no clear reason to me. <laughs> there are experts in uh, the calendar who can tell us in calendulation. Yes, calendulation. That's the term. Calendu, calendu, calendologists? Yes, right. no, calendulation. Yes. Experts in Roman calendulation. It, that, you're, you're not making that up. That's a I'm real not one. making it up. Okay, sorry. No, it's the fifth in other months. So, the knowns is the fifth in other months. So on the face of it, it doesn't make any sense. And no. right, so, so they would describe a date as that is... Um, the third day before the nuns of right. of March. Yeah, ante diem, you know, ante diem, uh, what is it, nonas. Yeah. Martyrs, right. like that. So to uh, you know, our kind of more, you know, A to Z linear, right. it, it strikes us as so odd. Yes, the other thing that uh, is going to strike the listener as odd, if they don't know this, is that the Romans always counted inclusively, right? Yes. So what, what day of the week is it today, Dr. Winkle? Today is the... Okay. I just day of the week, not not date. Oh, it's a, it's Saturday. It's Saturday. Yes. Right. So how many days before Sunday? Uh, that would be a one day. No, it's two. Two, because you count Saturday. Right. I right. mean, when I've tried to teach this to my students, boy, they get up in arms. Let mm. me tell you, they want to assassinate Caesar. Right. Because <laughs> I say, okay, today's Monday. How many days before Wednesday? And they say, two. I say, no, it's three. Right. Because you count inclusively. Yeah. You're just going to ignore the rest of Monday like it's like it's over and done. Right, right. And so it's very jarring compared to the way that when, when compared to how we think about it typically. Right. Well, it reminds me of you know, describing that, you know, that uh, Christ is crucified and he's raised three days later. Right. You got to count the Friday. You got to count the Friday. You got to count the Friday. Right. I don't know how it is for you, but we, we trip up in our family over next. When I say next Friday, it, it could be Thursday. Yes. And the next Friday is the next Friday that we encounter. Which would be the next day. Exactly. Right. But there are other members of my family who don't like that at all. They always think it means the one after the the nearest one. It means next week Friday. That's I get that I have to two Fridays away. Yeah, that's how I hear it. Is that how you hear I it? I do hear it that way. Yeah. So, but you're, okay. it is it's confusing. It's confusing innately. So, so we have our own issues with our own yeah, calendars. We do. Right? Fair enough. All right. So this is the day. Um, last Senate meeting, and this is a very important detail that um, they're gonna. It's gonna be during a meeting of the Senate, but um, the Senate is no is at this time not meeting down in the forum in, okay. the, in the Curia. Uh, that building has been has burned down a few years before this. Um, uh, Clodius, which would make a great episode, right? Right. Um, this is Publius Clodius Pulcher. Yes, the, the the pretty boy, pretty boy, pretty boy. Yeah. Uh, but he was a populist and agitator, kind of a ruffian. Uh, he is murdered on the Appian Way, and uh, his funeral gets out of hand. Yeah, He's the brother of um, Catullus's Lesbia. Yes. Right. Yes. Exactly. Right. And so uh, the people uh, turn the uh, the Senate House into a funeral pyre uh, for Clodius, and the thing burns down to the ground. Um, one of the things that Caesar was doing uh, at the time of his death, he was ref- he was refurbishing the whole forum, hmm. and part of that was to rebuild the curia. Mm-hmm. And but could he just put that on his Lowe's card? Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly, right. right. Oh, he had he had the eighteen he, months no interest, no interest. You know, he'd get bonus points, right? Travel miles, right? All that, all do whatever that. you want to the forum. Just right. put it on my card. So the Senate had to meet other places, and they were kind of bouncing around. And um, the the Ides meeting was set for the Curia of Pompey, oh. which is also kind of loaded with symbolic weight. Ironic. Yes, very ironic. Pompey had been dead for almost two years now. Yes. He was beheaded. In Egypt. In 46. Yes, right. But um, before he had skipped town, he had organized the building of this massive theater complex, which is a, a huge theater, um, which was flanked by a long portico. 
And at the end of it was a little meeting house, mm. a little uh, um, yeah, kind of utility room. Mm-hmm. Right. It's funny when you see you know, you know, p- later paintings of the of the death of Caesar. It's in this majestic hall, right, sure. with uh, you know, the forty foot ceilings. But this was a not like that at all. This was like a like a rec room. This mm. was a, a, a very small place where they they had to pack themselves in. So right? they played some bumper pool while Bump. they were waiting for Caesar to show up. Bumper Maybe pool. a little foosball. foosball. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Can you imagine the tense games of foosball while wow, they're waiting around? That would have been really tense because if this if this goes south, they're all dead. Yeah. In, yep. an, in an hour. Exactly. Right. Right. And all of them were dead eventually. Yes. Yeah. But I, I imagine the tension waiting. Yeah. Uh, for him. And and then as we were talking before the break about you know he's. Oh, wait, he's not coming at all? Right. What are we going to do? Right. Right. Now, a very important detail. We were talking about the pomerium early, early on, the boundary within the city of Rome, which you were not allowed to be armed. Right. The theater of Pompey and the Curia, um, kind of built on the the, the, the Campus Martius, which is now starting to yep. be built up at this point, outside of that boundary. So um, the senators carrying daggers would, again, not have raised perhaps eyebrows. Right. As it would if you were downtown in the forum. Now, did they have to go through TSA? <laughs> Get frisked to out. get into that spot. They didn't. This was just a little Swiss Army knife. You ever lost a Swiss Army knife at TSA? I I, I don't have a Swiss Army. knife. You have knife. more sense than that. Yeah. Well, I don't have one either, but I used to. <laughs> you, you, went, you went through TSA with your Swiss Army. What, you say? what were you t- thinking? It was just a tiny little jackknife. Right. I, I wanted to cut an apple, you know, at my destination, right. and it's gone. Well, the so. problem is you were hiding it in your shoe. No, I was wasn't. <laughs> No. No. We talked about nephos. Yeah. Right? Right, you, right. You never say the word rakes in the city of Rome. It's taboo. Yeah. There are certain things you never say on your way through TSA. Of course. Or at customs. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so um, they're waiting in the Curia. And um, also on the same day, there were some gladiatorial games going on in, in the in the theater itself. Um, some was, it, This also reminds me of the... Uh, at the end of the Odyssey, you know, where the murder of the suitors All is perhaps right. kind of masked by, they kind of pretend there's a wedding going on. Right. So that, maybe that, that music will drown out the noise. Is right. that Godfather 1 or 2, where all the murders take place? Uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen those movies. <laughs> yeah. All the murders take place while there's a wedding in yeah, the church? Yeah, the coordinate. That's, that's, that's the original Godfather. That's number one. Yes, exactly. All right. Yeah, which uh, the 50th anniversary of that film this year. Wow. Crazy. One of, the, one of my all-time favorites. As produced by Hackett, right? Yeah, produced by Hackett, yes. Um, and so there was also thought that maybe the gladiators would, um, if they, you know, if things went south, mm. maybe they could be, they could use them for protection. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but but who knows? Okay. So the conspirators are waiting. Um, so Caesar's coming from the forum, right? Um, and he's living in the the, uh, the Domus Sacra down there, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the sacred house. So one of Caesar's titles was the Pontifus Maximus, mm-hmm. and so one of the perks is you could live in the Domus Sacra in the in the in the sacred house downtown, right? Right. So. Um, so as we said, Calpurnia has this dream and says, you know, don't, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna be, you're gonna die. Don't go. Um, and so he decides not to. He's gonna cancel the meeting. Decimus shows up and says, um, you know, what kind of man are you? He right. says, fine, I'm coming. I'm going. Right. So now here's a here's a detail. Again, you're not gonna get on another podcast. Okay. That, All right. So I went into Google Maps. You did. And I kind of traced the route. And how um, far is it? It's about exactly one mile. It's one mile for yeah. Caesar to walk it's from a, the Domus Sacra down to the Rondesvalles. Yes, a, a brisk, maybe 15-minute walk. All right. Yeah, uh, going from the Domus Sacra to the to the Curia. Okay. And so on the way, famously, um, again, the mostly this, this um, uh, I mean, this is in the Roman histories, but it's most famous from Shakespeare. Because of Shakespeare. Right, so the, the Susair Spirina, who has been warning him about the Ides. Right. And uh, Caesar kind of sees him and mocks him. Hey, like, look, look at the calendar. I'm fine. I'm fine. And you, you can't cheat fate. You can't. Right. That's that's the rule of oracles, right? right? It has to come true. If you're going to get the discount, you're going to get the discount. 
It's like, I'm surprised Caesar didn't know this. Or maybe that's that's his hubris. That the, ah, I'm the one man. I'm above it. fate. I, I, I'm above fate. So. Yeah. And Saperna says, yes, the Ides have come, but they have not yet gone. Oh. Right? The day ain't over yet. Mm. Right. And so um, he, go, he comes to the Curia. Um, Antony comes along. Uh, there's some of the senators, some of the conspirators have been charged with kind of, you know, um, stop him up on the porch. You know, get, engage him in small talk. You Ask know. for an autograph. Ask for an autograph and say, yeah, 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 yeah. Where, where do I get that wolf suit that you were right. wearing the other day? What's right? the coffee like in Gaul? <laughs> right, exactly. And so, What, ki- what kind of uh, small talk would they have made? With with Antony? No, with, or, were, they, were they delaying Antony? They were, were they delaying? I'm, I did, missed that detail. Yeah, so Antony's com- he, he's coming, and so they want, he's not in on this, right? Right, so they got to keep him out. Keep him out. So that they're making small talk with Antony, okay. right? Okay. Maybe they're talking about that, that um, the, the Lupercalia. Yeah, right? what was it like to work with Liz Taylor? Right, <laughs> right, exactly right, yeah. So, and then Caesar makes his way in, and um, here's where I think we should turn All right. to the text. I'm, I'm for it. Let's All right. do that. So, um, there are three main sources that tell the story of the, of the, the assassination itself. We have Suetonius, yep. and we have Plutarch, and we have Cassius Dio. Okay. And so, uh, would you be so good as to read some Latin from Suetonius? I would love to. Please. This is the Life of the Divine Julius, section yep. 82. Yep. Is this part of the De Vitis Caesarum, the Lives of the Caesars? Yes, okay. exactly. All yep. right, the 12 Caesars. Accidentem conspirati specie officii circumstaterunt, illicoque Kimbertilius, qui primas partes suscaperat, quasi aliquid rogaturus propius accessit, Re ventique et gestu in alia tempus differenti abutroque umero togam ad prehendit, dende clamantem, ista quidem vis est, alter e cascis eversum vulnerat paulum infra jugulum, caesar cascae brachium ardreptum graphio traiecit, conatusque prosilirre alia vulnera tardatus est, utque anamadvertit undique, se strictis pugionibus peti, Toga caput abualuit, simul sinistra manu sinum ad ima crura deduxit, Quo honestius carteret eti am inferior the corporis parta velata. That's, that's the most important stuff right there, right? Right. Yes, exactly. Um, very, very good. Um, let me read the translation. Let's hear it. And I'm, uh, I'm blanking on the translator. It's, this is from the Loeb edition. It's uh, Joseph Gavoris, right? Oh, yes. I've got it right in our notes sorry, here, man. Sorry, Joseph, uh, Joseph Gavoris. You, you did such good work, you didn't even realize didn't it. realize it. All right. So this um, is how Mr. Gavoris translates it. As he took his seat, the conspirators gathered about him as if to pay their respects. And straightway, Tilius Kimber, who had assumed the lead, came near as though to ask something. When Caesar, with a gesture, put him off to another time, Kimber caught his toga by both shoulders. As Caesar cried, why, this is violence, which is a trans- I don't like that translation. That, uh, the istiquidem wis yeah, est? It doesn't kind of, I don't, it, I don't I, what would be better there? I mean, something a little bit more, I think, like... Uh, Get your hands off me. Something, yeah, that's what it is. Or, yeah. um... Uh, that's an unexpected turn. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what do you think you're doing? Right? What do you think you're doing? Yeah. 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 So Back wh- off, Jack. But why? This is violence. Uh, one of the cascas stabbed him from one side just below the throat. Does, does it matter which casca? Uh, do you have a do you have a favorite casca? You've seen one casca. You've seen them all, I say. <laughs> that's right, right. Exactly. One of the cascas did this. Suetonius doesn't seem to bother um, telling us which one. Just one of them. It's casca. Caesar caught casca's arm and ran it through with his stylus, Ooh. stabbed him through with a pen. That's, Ooh, that's why I always keep a pen in my coat pocket. <laughs> to stab somebody? Well, no. Self-defense. Self-defense. Gotcha. Never, never mind. Right. I shouldn't interrupt. But as he tried to leap to his feet, he was stopped by another wound. And when he saw that he was beset on every side by drawn daggers, he muffled his head in his robe, and at the same time drew down its lap to his drew down its lap to its feet with his left hand in order to fall more decently, with the lower part of part of his body also covered. 
And in this wise, he was stabbed three and twenty wounds, uttering not a word, but merely a groan at the first stroke. Though some have written that when Marcus Brutus rushed at him, he said in Greek, Kaisu technon. Yeah. Even you, my child. Et tu brute. Et tu brute. Mm-hmm. Right. But Suetonius says, says that the principal version is that he didn't say a word. Right. right? He was too concerned about decorum. Decorum, right. right. Covering up his lower parts. His body. He, he didn't wanted, want to be left there naked. He wanted, he wanted to die. He wanted to look good as he went down. Yeah, die with dignity. Right? And all the conspirators made off, so they run for it. And he lay there lifeless for some time until finally three common slaves put him on a litter and carried him home. And this is my favorite detail. With one arm hanging down, isn't that just so creepily picturesque? It's a great dramatic touch. It is. So it's just I, swinging. I believe it happened. Yeah. But even if it didn't, uh, Suetonius has put a really nice it's touch there. His 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 version is my favorite one of all mm. of these. Right. And so, and of so many wounds, none, in the opinion of the physician uh, Antistius, would have proved mortal except for the second one in the breast. So all of these wounds were were uh, non-fatal except for the one that uh, in, got him in the heart. A little, I'm no doctor, <laughs> not of that kind at least. <laughs> right. But 22 wounds, you're going to be okay. Be, right. It's the 23rd one. That last one. In the second, yeah. That's what did him in. Maybe right. some of the conspirators didn't plunge things in uh, as wholeheartedly as others. Maybe, right, exactly. It's it, got to be a hard thing to do. You got to imagine a lot of these guys um, freaked out right. at that moment, right? Well, the, the momentous nature of what they're doing. Right. And that, that what Tilius Kimber, the other guy that starts it, um, he, what it says, you know, he uh, he caught his toga by both his shoulders. It's like that. It almost reminds me of like like a hockey player's move. You get the person's jersey over the other guy's head, so you can just kind of just beat the 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 life out of him. I don't watch a lot of hockey, but it can get very violent. Do you watch some hockey? I'm like a, I'm not a huge fan, but okay. But you know, I can never understand the icing call. <laughs> I don't, couldn't explain I don't know what I, people have explained it to me before. It's something right. about the puck not getting out in front. When I hear icing, all I can think of is cookies. It's cookies and cake. Exactly. Exactly, right, right. I'm lost. But I understand there are uh, finesse players. Yes. And then there are brutes. There are brutes, right, The brutes have to protect the finesse players Mm -hmm. and attack the finesse players on the other team. Yes. That's what the brutes do. Something like that. Mm -hmm. So somebody told you you're about to get 10 minutes for icing, would you say? say, uh, (laughs) All right. right. Uh, I may need 12. (laughs) How many cookies are we talking about? Exactly. Right. I'll take 20. Right. (laughs) Um, the next account. The next account. Um, some Plutarch's Life of Caesar. This is a translation from Bernadotte uh, Perrin. You want to read this one? Yeah, I'll read a little bit of this. Okay. Life of Caesar, section 65. So the affair began, and those who were not privy to the plot were filled with consternation and horror at what was going on. They dared not fly, that's uh, okay, escape, nor go to Caesar's help, nay, nor even utter a word. But those who had prepared themselves for the murder bared each of them his dagger, and Caesar hemmed in on all sides, whichever way he turned, confronting blows of weapons aimed at his face and eyes, driven hither and thither like a wild beast. That's got to be, well, this is Greek, so I was going to say it's hook et iluk, but Mm. it's Latin. Mm. Was entangled in the hands of all, for all had to take part in the sacrifice and taste of the slaughter. Therefore, Brutus also gave him one blow in the groin. And it is said by some writers that although Caesar defended himself against the rest and darted this way and that and cried aloud when he saw that Brutus had drawn his dagger, he pulled his toga down over his head and sank, either by chance or because pushed there by his murderers against the pedestal on which the statue of Pompey stood. And the pedestal was drenched with his blood so that one might have thought that Pompey himself was presiding over this vengeance upon his enemy, Mm. who now lay prostrate at his feet, quivering from a multitude of wounds. For it is said that he received 23, and many of the conspirators were wounded by one another as they struggled to plant all those blows in one body. It's a lot of friendly fire. That I believe. That is quite plausible. Right. And so... um, 
clearly lots of overlap with Suetonius's version, but you notice that uh, Plutarch doesn't mention any specific names except for Brutus. Right. And he also says that when it's uh, when Caesar sees Brutus is involved, this is he gives up. Yeah. At, at that moment. Yeah. I guess because it was personal, or because Brutus is too um, competent, or something. You know the. Take the measure of your enemy, kind of. This is done. There's, this is d- there's right. no hope. Right. Or um, you know, maybe uh, he thought, you know, if anybody's going to be on my side, if anybody loves me, it's Brutus. And when he well, sees me. he has, he's yeah. turned, then then I'm done. Mm-hmm. It, if Plutarch doesn't throw in any cascas, you know, not even an extra casca here and there. Right. Yeah, no, the, no you, you can't tell your one casca from another. They're not and, even in this. And right? they're uh, contemporaries, near contemporaries, Plutarch and Suetonius. Yes, Exactly. Um, should we go on with Cassius Dio? Yeah, let's hear, okay. hear this third one. Right. Right, this you got third. this one, right, from yep. Cassius Dio. Translated by a one Ernest Carey. Now, when he finally reached the Senate, Trebonius kept Antony employed somewhere at a distance outside. Okay, there, so he's keeping Antony out of the chamber. For though they had planned to kill both him and Lepidus, uh, they feared that they might be maligned as a result of the number they destroyed on the ground that they had slain Caesar to gain supreme power and not to set free the city as they pretended. Now, that's at odds with other um, other texts that suggested that, that you know, they weren't intending to kill Antony. Um, they were going to just keep him at arm's length and kind of see how this would play out. But Well, right, because yeah. I believe Cicero even says, you know, if they had only gotten Antony also, yeah. we'd be free of the whole, yeah. the whole mess. Right, 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 yeah. As for Lepidus, he had set out on a campaign, was in the suburbs, um, Trader Joe's doing some shopping out there. I, I thought of an SUV, you know, probably. <laughs> right. Lepidus was, uh, you know, out there picking up some groceries. Yeah. When Trebonius then talked with Anthony, the rest in a body surrounded Caesar, who was as easy of access and as affable as anyone could be. And some conversed with him, while others made as if to present petitions to him, so that suspicion might be as far from his mind as possible. And when the right moment came, one of them approached him as if to express his thanks for some favor or the other, and pulled his toga from his shoulder, thus mm. giving the signal that had been agreed upon by the conspirators. That would be Tilius Kimber, Kimber right? According to Suetonius. Right. Thereupon they attacked him from many sides at once and wounded him to death, so that by reason of their number, Caesar was unable to say or do anything, but veiling his face was slain with many wounds. This is the truest account, though some have added that to Brutus. When he struck him a powerful blow, he said, You too, my son. Mm. So, so it seems that, that, um, that you know, some of the, one of the most famous sets of last words of all time, right. probably were not spoken. Mm. Right? And if they were spoken, they weren't spoken in Shakespeare's Latin. Like, so did C- yeah, did Caesar say to him, um, Marcus, I'm your father, right? And then well, Kind of like, like, like Vader. Right. And yes. Then, and then Brutus lets out a scream. You know? No! So let's do that again. And that wasn't believable. Cut, cut right? No. You're talking to Mishka? No, 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 no. no. I'm talking to, I'm, I'm picturing... Uh, Mark uh, Hamill playing Brutus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Say, yeah. Say, oh, goodness. No, that's not a good, <laughs> not a good call. Not a good call, right. So you're saying maybe these uh, famous uh, last words never even happened? Probably not, mm. right. And certainly not. They were not spoken in Latin if they were. It would have been, would have been in the colloquial Greek yeah. at the time. Right? Yes, right. It's a nice little touch, but right. um, maybe not Maybe not ultimately believable. Mm. Right. So let's go on to the aftermath. Right. What, what happens next? Well, as, as, we, as we mentioned briefly, the, the, um, you know, the conspirators com- find that they com- have completely misread the whole situation. They're running through the town with their bloody daggers, screaming, you know, libertas, and you know, the, the republic has returned. Yep. And uh, I think Suetonius talks about how like, uh, the people start hearing this, and they just kind of cower inside and shut their, their, they shut their shutters. They mm. don't, uh, and they're expecting the people to kind of pour out, to, you, know, you know, the tyrant to the king is dead. It's right. not happening. Mm. And um, so Caesar, he gets his 
uh, body is cremated in the form. You can still see the the, uh, the altar on which his body was burned there, right? And where his his temple to his divine um, genius is raised, um, and it the conspirators have to realize that the people loved him, right? And this is not going anywhere. So the shout seek semper tyrannis, yes, thus always to tyrants, right? Right, the Commonwealth of Virginia. It's on the seal. It's on the seal. Yeah. Did the conspirators shout that out as they were? Uh, dagger plunging. I don't know I, where does that where does that come from. Is that I don't know, uh, but it's part of the lore. Part of the lore, right? Maybe, maybe something like that. But hmm. the, the, the people are having none of it. And so, as we were, we were talking earlier, that you know, Caesar gets his, his posthumous revenge when his will is read, and his vast, massive fortune involves uh, money for all Roman citizens. He bequeaths a, a, a bunch of land uh, kind of across the Tiber, which is the area of Trastevere today, mm-hmm. which always just strikes me as, as so perfect, which is, you know, in Rome, Trastevere is kind of your hip, trendy area, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, Caesar, he has his finger on the pulse already. Yeah. He knows where the hip places are to go, <laughs> right? And so it's like he gets this this revenge beyond the graves. And, and I mean, it's a whole other story we don't have time to go into, but the conspirators scatter, they go to the east, and, and kind of one by one, they're killed or commit suicide. Yeah, two of them die at Philippi, of course, the most famous, right. and Cassius. Right. And uh, Augustus, right, Octavian, he rounds up the rest. Yeah, 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 yeah. For uh, affection for his adopted father, maybe, probably, likely just from political expedience. Right, right, right. But it's interesting, you know, speaking of Six Semper Tyrannus, of course, that's what John Wilkes Booth yelled when he jumped from the balcony of Forest Theater after shooting Lincoln, right? And Booth, who had played Brutus in, in Shakespeare's play, and thought he thought too. I mean, he completely misreads the situation. Oh, yeah. He thought that the South was going to rise up and, and wow. the, the tyrant is dead. And like you know, even he keeps his famous little diary, you know, when he's on his run for like right. the nine days before he's killed. Caught in a barn. Caught in a barn. Um, and he writes in there, he says, like, you know, he can't, he's like, I can't believe this. He says, for the very deed that Brutus was praised for, I am being vilified, yeah. right? He says, no. No. No, that's not what happened, John. So here's that- a callback to another episode. He really did just die in the barn tonight. <laughs> <laughs> a fascinating story. It we, is. we should find a way. I mean, I, I don't, I'm certainly no expert in Americana, but we should find a way to deal with that episode on some. Some future podcast, because yeah. uh, Booth and the you know the comparison to classical norms. Yes. Yeah, right, right. Uh, the best book that I've read about uh, Booth is actually called American Brutus. Ah, fascinating. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. So we're gonna do a little Ides and Seek here. Ides and Seek. When we get to the end, archaeology. Like, so can you? Do we know where this this courier was? That's what I'd like to know. See, you know, you know, I, I love a good death site. Yes, you right? do. Your your liminality and yes. your gefurus moss, your bridginess. Right. So the, the, apparently. Um, the the site has been found. It's underneath a street, um, and it's just off this area called the Largo Argentina in Rome, which is famous for its Republican era temples. Okay, which would have been there when this this deed took place. Um, but right where the edge of that that park ends and the street begins um, is thought to be underneath there are the foundations of the Curia of Pompeii. And apparently, and I never know what to believe with this, but apparently... Yeah, it's tough. It's... Um, so many layers, right? So many layers, but uh, some archaeologists have, they claim to have, um, I'm reading here from a NBC News report, have unearthed a concrete structure about 10 feet wide and uh, 10 feet wide by six feet, uh, six and a half feet tall, that may have been erected by Augustus um, to condemn the assassination or to kind of commemorate... Uh, the spot. Sacralize right. the spot, right. So you say this is from NBC News? Yeah. I mean, if it were from the New York Times, well, then for sure it'd be reliable. Right. But. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And this is from 10 years ago. Okay. Um, but uh, the the area, the Largo, has been, you know, it's been 
closed for years. It's, it's probably most famously for all the cats in there, right? Yeah. But it, apparently, it's been reopened. You can okay. visit this. And uh, according to what I've been reading, part of the ultimate plan is to try to open up that part under the street oh. to, uh, to reveal the site of Caesar's death. Right. Uh, it's at the base of the Curia, right? Or the, the theater? The theater, right, yeah. The, kind of the end of the theater complex, right? Um, but there it stands, and who knows if that'll happen in our lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'd like to see that. I also want to see the uh, um, Mausoleum of Augustus, Yes, that's, which is reopened. That is opened, yes, mm-hmm. with, with, with apparently kind of a, um, a 3D experience. Oh. You can put on the Oculus goggles and wow. can see as it was. By the Arapacus yes. Transtevere, right? It looks really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we we got to get out of here. We do. We got to wrap this up. Yeah, you want to before we go, you want to tell us a little bit about the Moss method? Yeah, it would be uh, how should I say this? I'd be a fool not to. Ah, nice. Thank you. Wait, before you do that? Yeah. Um a current affair? Ooh, did you get, did you did you have anything yeah. going? Or we're going to have to wait for until next time. No, I got it. You got it? Yeah, I'd call it race flagitiosa. Race flagitiosa. Race flagitiosa. Or you could say de re flagitiosa. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, you know, a, a scandalous event. Yeah. A scandalous consideration. I like it. Right. Thank you. Right. I didn't, I didn't know if you were going to pull that out, but you did. Well, as your co-host, I have to contribute something to this episode. You yeah. did all the hard work. I, I appreciate it. So tell us about the Moss Method. Yeah, it? sure. So the Moss Method is a method I've developed. You're holding the mug right there. That will help you go from neophyte, little or no knowledge, to... Erudite. That's right. So for $2.99, you can go to mossmethod.com. Well, you can go there free. But when you get there, you can see all of my free instruction. Then you can sign up to take the course along with me. You get 40 videos, 40 assignments, quizzes, exams, and perhaps most importantly... The office hours, right? That's right. The Moffice hours. Moffice. We just held some yesterday morning. Uh, read a little bit of the New Testament. We can talk about Plato. We can talk about Herodotus, Homer, whatever you like to help take you along on your Greek journey. So there's really no reason not to be able to say at the end of your life, Kaisu Technon. Excellent. Excellent. Well done. Way to bring it all, right? thanks, it all, thanks, it all thanks. together. Well, we got people to uh, thank. Well, I got a Latin program too, Jeff. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, forget about that. That's all right. Latinperdiem.com slash LLPSI. And you can sign up to study Latin with me, ab initio, from the ground up. Excellent. We go through the Lingua Latina course. And you learn to speak a little bit of Latin, write a little bit of Latin. Again, instructional videos. It's work at your own pace. Uh, The price includes a full year of access uh, to me and my expertise via phone, email, text, whatever you like. Excellent. Sounds great. Yeah, check it out. All right. So um, we got to thank some people. We do. Uh, Mishka, our our editor, our producer, our, our... Jane of all trades. Jane of all trades. I yes. was going to just say the exact same Is that thing. Right? Yeah. Our Mishka of all trades. Mishka Thanks all for trade. putting this together so nicely. Yep. Um, Scott Vinzen and Ken Tamplin for the great music. Um, the so appreciative. Music. It's it's wonderful. Um, and very importantly, if if you want to get a shout out, you got to write to us. Yeah, we and, need some shouts and, outs. And you don't have to be a, a classics person, no, right? No. no, just, no we, we, it, you don't have to kind of. I have you know in my bio, I have to give something about you. No, know. no, 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 no. We no, want no. real people. Real right? people. Yeah. This is about popularizing the classics. It's yes. not about being an expert. Exactly right. So uh, write to Dave at Dave at adnauseum.com. Don't forget the V. Or Jeff at adnauseum.com. Don't forget the V. Once again, tell us about yourself. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, and uh, be a, be a part of the program. That's right. Uh, hey, Dave, what do we got going on next week? Yeah, Jeff, what are we going to do? I think we're going to cover yeah. um, the mottos of colleges and universities, oh. the Latin mottos. Remember when we did that, uh, what's a motto with you? Yes. So this could be, what's a motto with you, too? That's correct. Yeah. Universities and colleges. Oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Where do they come up with their Latin names for things? And uh, 
you know, what do we think about these places we visited? Right. And uh, what maybe better ideas for better models exactly. that we can come up with. Yeah. yeah. It's like a road show, right? You yeah. may be a graduate of some college or university. So we're going to visit your uh, little suburb there and talk about your motto. That's right. And I believe, Dave, you have the gustatory party shot. I do. And I love this. <laughs> That's because I think that understatement is... I was going to say really funny. I should probably say understatement is not altogether unamusing. There you go. There you go. Right. This comes from Suzanne Collins, whom... Author of The Hunger Games, right? I think she's a novelist, right? Yeah. Have you read The Hunger Games? I have. Okay. So Suzanne Collins says, you ready for this? Lunch makes me feel a bit better. That's just waiting to be engraved somewhere. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thank you. 